This episode is brought to you by Uncle Pieces. Are you tired of hot sauces that give you more hot than they give you sauce? Then you need to check out Uncle Pieces Buffalo Lime Cilantro Sauce. This hot sauce is good on everything. Pizza, wings, tacos, collard greens, you name it. If you haven't tried it yet, you're missing out. Go to UnclePieces.co. Once again, that's www.UnclePieces.co and grab you a bottle. Once again, that's www.UnclePieces.co. Hey everyone, my name is Martel Man, and this is Corporate-ish, where we highlight black professionals, have authentic conversations about the black experience in corporate America, and provide tips to help you grow in your career. Stay tuned. On today's episode, we have Brittany Wright. She's an optometrist and assistant clinical professor at the University of Missouri. She'll talk about her path to becoming a doctor, why eye care is so important to your overall health, and why seeing more Black professionals in the optometry space is so important. Stay tuned. We have Brittany right here. How are you doing today, Brittany? I am doing well, Martel. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to have you on and talk about something that's a little bit outside of the corporate space, but it's still dealing with highlighting Black professionals. We're getting into the healthcare medical side. So I'm pretty excited about that. Before we get into what you do for a living and you know, get into the conversation, can you introduce yourself, tell the people where you're from? Uh, what you do for a living? Yes, absolutely. Um, I first just want to, again, say thank you. And um, if people are not listening to your episodes, they should be because I have learned so much from people that I've known for several years and people I've never met. So um, you all are dropping gems. So I just want to plug in that. I hope people are listening thank you, um, thank to you. what you're doing because it's awesome. Thank you so um, much. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, my name is Dr. Brittany Wright. I am originally from Country Club Hills, which is a south suburb of Chicago. Um, I wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Really? You from country, you were yeah. from Country Club Hills? I used <laughs> yeah. to li- I used to live in Country Club Hills. I went to Hillcrest. Did you know that? So did I talk did about not that know before? that. <laughs> no, I did not know that. And most people, they don't unless they went to Hillcrest or like HF Ridge Central, they don't really know Country Club Hills that much. So yeah, it's like a, I, mean, uh, I always yeah, say we, it's like a south suburb of Chicago. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's how it works. But yep. So I grew up in Country Club Hills and then we actually moved to Hazelcrest and I ended up going to HF for high school. So. Oh, OK. All in that area. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So HF for high school. Then I went to SIUE for undergrad. Um, I also did a master's, got my master's degree in biology at SIUE, and then uh, went to Southern College of Optometry, which is in Memphis, Tennessee. And following that, so optometry is a four-year program. So I was there for four years. I did a residency in ocular disease and low vision rehabilitation at the Kansas City VA Hospital. Um, Then was in Denver for a couple years in practice. And now I am on faculty at the University of Missouri, St. Louis College of Optometry. Awesome. So I want to kind of uh, go back and 
kind of go back, I guess, go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. like back when you were when you were growing up. Did you always want to be a doctor and be an, an optometrist? Yes. Yeah, so I um, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I think I actually heard one of your other guests speaking and her story sounded so familiar because it was very similar to what I went through. Um, Growing up, I wanted to be a pediatrician because that was the doctor I saw most regularly, the pediatrician and the dentist. I knew I didn't want to be a dentist because that was not my lane. I hated going to the dentist. So (laughs) I knew very early that was not it. But my pediatrician was the only other doctor I saw regularly. Didn't have any uh, doctors like in my immediate family. Um, So it was just something that I always connected with as far as healthcare and science and from that point was was what I wanted to pursue. Uh, then I went to college and realized honestly that working with kids might not be my uh, my specialty. Uh, just <laughs> in navigating that, uh, then it was like, okay, now what do I do? I, w- I still want to be in healthcare. I want to be a doctor, but that's all I knew. Um, so I I just started shadowing different doctors in the area and different health professionals which is how I was introduced to optometry. Um, I had not myself seen an eye doctor until I was 22. Um, So I hadn't even had an eye exam um, until that point. My mother wore glasses, so she would go to the eye doctor, but um, it was one of those things where, oh, I see fine, so no need to go to the eye doctor. Mm, yeah. uh, later learned in you know in school the the importance of the the eye exam outside of just how well you see, and so from that point, I um, that point in college I realized okay optometry is something that is more than just glasses and contacts which is better one or two it involves a lot more of the overall health of the person about the eye health and then how your eye health relates to your systemic health. And how your, you know, how important your vision is to your day-to-day life and how much that means to people. And so having that opportunity in college to shadow at a practice actually in Edwardsville um, is what kind of brought me into the fold of optometry. Wow, that's amazing. So I want to get into uh, how this, you know, how your eye health can affect your overall health in a a, a second. But I wanted to take a step back and also and ask you, how did you get into shadowing doctors? Was that just part of like a program or some kind of services that SIUE uh, offered or how did that work? Yeah, I'll be honest. It was something at that just in doing research online, uh, one of the requirements for a lot of health professional programs is that you Uh, do a certain number of hours of shadowing in order to even apply to the school or to that program. And so just in doing research about what different health professions were out there, that was one of the big things on like blogs that you would see is like, make sure you shadow, Um, which makes sense because if this is something you're going to pursue and honestly dedicate a lot of financial investment towards, then you should make sure you're going to enjoy this every day. Um, right. Or you're going to be able to do it and get your fulfillment out of out of going to work or, you know, whatever it is. So so it made sense. But I had no idea that was something I would need to do until it was just something I read on a blog, um, mm. which is honestly a, a a fault of 
you know, healthcare providers and not being able to share that information with their patients is, you know, a right. patient will usually say, hey, you know, I, I want to be a doctor. That's the perfect opportunity to say, hey, come in and shadow or make sure you're, you're <laughs> right. shadowing or just having somebody sort of plant that seed early enough. But there are programs out there, though, especially if someone is interested in health professions that offer that opportunity as a part of the program where you're able to get those shadowing hours, connect with doctors in that profession that or in that specialty you're looking at to make sure it is something you, you know, want to put your time, energy and, and money towards. For me, it, it just happened to be just reading and kind of researching on my own. There are programs out there. A lot of colleges, a lot of high schools actually have them um, as well. It's just not something that's promoted as much, I think, as other programs might be. Wow. So did you just end up you know, calling these different doctor's offices or walking mm-hmm. in and saying, hey, I would like to shadow? Is that a possibility? Yes, I, I just started making phone calls. Um, and so there, there's not a ton of offices in Edwardsville. Um, and I didn't have a car at the time, so I had to stay local. Um, so I just started making phone calls to see who would allow me to, to come in and spend a morning or afternoon. Um, and it really is just kind of following the doctor around to see what they're doing day to day. And a lot of different provider, uh, healthcare providers will allow that. It just depends on the setting that it's in. There might be more steps involved. So for like private practice, usually the um, optometrist is the practice owner or an associate working towards ownership. So they can make that decision pretty quickly if you can shadow with them or not. In places like hospitals or VA uh, veteran hospitals, those require a little bit more as far as how to get approval to be able to shadow. So there may be like an application that you fill out. There may be background checks, especially if it's a hospital that sees pediatric or, you know, children. So depending on the setting, there may be different requirements in order to shadow. Um, But most, if not, you know, the majority of healthcare providers are willing and excited to have somebody sort of follow them around and, and be able to share their profession with them. And I say most just because, you know, some people might not enjoy what they're doing. So they don't really <laughs> right, want right. to, you know, hype it up to someone else. So, but yeah, finding finding offices locally is usually a, a pretty straightforward process to be able to get in and shadow and kind of see what the day-to-day is like. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And 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 just one last thing I wanted to ask about mm-hmm. that. It sounds like you shadowed a, a lot of different doctors or different doctors from different fields, not just optometry, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I um, also went and shadowed um, a doctor of physical therapy, which that was actually when I was back at home in Chicago over a break, just to kind of get an idea of, of other parts of healthcare. Because we, again, we think you know, doctor, we think medical doctor, but there are other doctoral degree programs or doctors within the healthcare profession that require a different type of schooling. Um, and then there are, you know, doctor, doctor of nursing. So there's different professional pieces that kind of make up the whole healthcare system. So shadow on the physical therapist was interesting, but it didn't seem like something I uh, would enjoy every day. Um, it was a lot more just physical, you know, up and about. Um, whereas with optometry, 
I connected a little bit better just seeing the the different opportunities the doctor I happened to be shadowing had to just engage with patients. Like she had a chance to really sit down and, you know, get to know them personally outside of just, you know, what their complaint was for that day, mm, um, which helps yeah. to provide care for them. Because if I know a little bit more about you, I can say I can make different recommendations based on what's going to be best for you not mm. just what the numbers or the testing tells me. Like you can bring all of that in. And seeing the optometrist have the opportunity to be able to do that was appealing to me. That makes sense. I can see how that mm-hmm. how that uh, field is a little more personable or that mm-hmm. kind of doctor is a little more personable. So that, that makes sense. Thank you for, for sharing that. So another question I had about the process and the journey to becoming an optometrist, it seems like it's a lot of, schooling involved a lot of several years of schooling do you know how long did you go to school for yeah so it uh, yep so with optometry it's uh, four years of undergrad Um, most schools require the completion of that bachelor's degree there are some optometry schools that just require a certain number of credit hours so you could potentially start optometry school before completing your bachelor's degree And then um, what ends up happening is that first year of optometry school um, is essentially your last senior year or fourth year of college. Um, And so there are programs out there, which hindsight, of course, uh, looking back is nice because it takes four years of college, four years of optometry school, makes it a total of seven years. You get finished a little sooner. You also it requires one year less of like financial funding. Um, so there are some benefits to it. Um, they're a little more competitive. The requirements are a little bit higher because it's just more challenging of a course load because you're kind of blending those years together. But in general, four years of college, four years of optometry school, and then optometry has the option of doing an additional year of residency um, that allows you to sort of specialize in a particular area. Um, So those residencies can include, um, like I did an ocular disease or eye disease and low vision rehabilitation, um, which looks at uh, ways to assist patients who have uh, poor vision to assist them to be able to use the vision that they have remaining. Um, And for some people, glasses and contacts don't do enough to to help them. Um, So it's things Hmm. like magnifying glasses, Um, There are a lot of electronic devices that people can use that will, uh, depending on how bad their vision might be, there are devices that you can hold up to a certain object and the device will tell you what it is um, or it'll tell you the color or um, there are different things you can do to help patients use their other senses. If their vision has been um, is reduced, they can use other senses to be able to to live independently still. Because you mm, know we all wow. want to maintain that independence. So yeah, so low vision looks at that, and then there are other specialties: specialty contact lens, refractive surgery, co management. So co managing alongside ophthalmology, uh, which are medical doctors who specialize in eye surgery. Um, so co managing procedures alongside ophthalmology. Um, There's also pediatrics and vision therapy, uh, neuro rehabilitation or neuro optometry, um, which works with patients that have brain injuries and their visual processing is compromised. So how do you assist those patients 
to be able to still um, kind of function as, as best to their ability after a traumatic head injury or brain injury. Um, so there's a lot of different specialties. So then there's that that last year. So in total, for me, it was nine years for completion through through residency. Wow. Yeah. That. Yeah. I thought I thought that was pretty. Seemed like I was looking at your LinkedIn. I saw that on there too, and I thought that was pretty long. I wonder. I guess my question for you is: Do you have any advice for anybody out there that may be interested in? You know, maybe somebody like a listener is in college and they're interested in going that route or maybe they already finished college and think about going back Mm -hmm. to to school to be a to get into optometry or just to be a doctor in general. Do you have any advice for anybody that may hear that 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 nine years of school or even seven years of school and be intimidated by that? Yeah, I think that uh, the first thing is that shadowing piece, if you get an opportunity and and a lot of schools require, you know, 30 or 40 hours total of, of shadowing, uh, which seems like a lot, but you can break it up over whatever time frame you want. Um, so you can take a year to, to acquire those hours um, oh, or you okay. can do it in a week. Um, so it's just a minimum um, over a time period. So I think shadowing helps because then you can see sort of that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you have an opportunity to get an idea of what all that schooling is going to, to mean at the end. Right. Yeah. And so not, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, so I think that seeing what the end goal looks like, especially if you can find a, a provider that you, you know, an optometrist that you connect with on a more personal level, you know, for, for a lot of people, just someone who shares a similar background as you, someone who looks like you, someone from your neighborhood, community, and just kind of touch base with them to see where they are now, then it makes getting through that a little bit easier. Um, It's still challenging just because the course load is heavy. You know, you're studying a lot. Um, For some people, they're also working. And then you're in clinic, you're learning, you know, patient care. Um, So it is a lot, but it's manageable. And I think when you when you decide what your end goal looks like, it's a little bit easier. You have a little bit different motivation to work through it. So the the seven years will go by a lot faster if you're thinking about, you know, where you're headed. Yeah. I like that. I liked how you um, shadowed these different doctors and specialties. And then you said, okay, this is the one that I want to go. Mm -hmm. This is the path that I want to go. And you were able to envision, and I'm sure that helped you to, stay the course and and stay on track and get through it because you could see and you you could you know envision where you where you were going to end up uh after you finished uh med school so so that's that's a that's amazing and i think a piece of that is like delayed gratification i think sometimes mm-hmm. we live in a yes. society where everything is kind of instant, instant uh, yep. <laughs> people sometimes can't envision like seven years of, of going to mm-hmm. school and because four years is, you know, long enough to usually to get that undergrad or exactly, bachelor's degree, yep. right? So, I mean, sometimes people cannot envision it, but I like the point that you made about, you know, going to shadow and also even maybe, you know, shadowing with someone that looks like you that mm-hmm. where you can envision it even more. You can push, definitely push yourself, push yourself in that shoes of that, of that person. So, so that, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I had a question about you, like along that path, along your journey and, 
in going to optometry school and going through this program, I was reading this article earlier today. It was like it's some it was some kind of summit, some kind of eye medical professional summit that that mm-hmm. happened, and they had some. Uh, they were saying that compared to other health professions, optometry continues to lag in attracting underrepresented minorities. It said out of 13.4% of Americans who identify as Black, only a little more than 3% of the community is represented in optometry school, including th- uh, just 3.8% of faculty. And then they said outside of academ- academia, Blacks account for below 2% of practicing optometrists. I'm wondering, in your experience, did you, when you were going through optometry school, did you see a lot of people that looked like you in optometry school? And also, I just wanted to get your thoughts about, you know, the underrepresentation of African-Americans in optometry. Yeah. So thank you for the question. It's something I spend probably a, a, let's see, a fourth of my week um, in just in my role um, as our coordinator for diversity, equity and inclusion at UMSL. But for me, going through optometry. So before I even got to optometry school, I had not seen a Black optometrist. And then in optometry school, I was fortunate enough to go to a school that had several um, Black women faculty, uh, which was really unheard of, depending on where where you were at in school. Um, And then we did have one black male uh, man faculty member who was one of our adjunct faculty. So he came in part time. Um, So I was fortunate to at least see those optometrists in that capacity as a student. Um, There were only three black students in my class out of 120. So it was not something you saw regularly, but the Black students in the other classes, we all kind of formed a cohort and were, were that support system for each other as we moved throughout optometry school. So I think it depends on the school that you're at, what that representation may look like, though. So there's about there's actually 26 optometry schools now across the country, um, and that includes two in Canada and one in Puerto Rico. Wow. The, I think the last cycle include, cycle of incoming students included somewhere around 300 Black student applicants. Um, so you can imagine of those 300, maybe a third were accepted into programs, a third or two thirds, and then they're spread across 26 schools. So that 300 may look good if everyone was together, but now right. we've got, you know, five here in 10 here and two or one, you know, there are some students that are the only Black or Latinx or underrepresented student in their class or in their school. Um, So it is not, it is common, I guess I'm going to say it's not uncommon, but it is common to see that still occur now. So there are organizations within optometry that are specifically focused on this, um, problem, which is really what it is, is, you know, the numbers have not changed. So the the reference that you brought up, um, that percentage and those numbers have been that way for a couple decades. Like they've wow. just stayed flat. Like there's been no change. Now we've seen changes in Asian American, um, like AAPI, Asian American and Pacific Islander 
Um, that number has increased to about 30% now. Latinx or Hispanic has increased to about 6%, I think is where we're at as of right now. But Black and African-American students have not changed over too long. Um, so there are organizations now that are specifically dedicated towards recruiting Black students intentionally. And a lot of it is just exposure, just knowing that optometry is mm. an option for you. Um, like I mentioned, you know, in me growing up, I didn't see an optometrist. The only doctor I saw was my pediatrician. Um, yeah, same here. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So it's like you you just don't even know that that's an option in the healthcare system because either you've not seen an eye doctor or the eye doctor you see doesn't necessarily look like you. It's not someone you connect with. You mm. go, you get your glasses prescription, you get your contacts, get your get the health of your eyes checked. And then it's, you know, I'll see you next year. And there's right. no <laughs> engagement to say, hey, you can do this. You want to be in healthcare. You like science. You like optics and how light bends through lenses like it's so much <laughs> that you can be doing um, but it's just about being you know having that awareness and then feeling like okay I belong here like oh this right. is something this is a place where I can come and this is family so um, there are organizations the National Optometric Association is one um, that comes to mind that's intentional about um, in increasing the numbers of underrepresented students um, it is an organization made up of optometrists from across the country. Um, they were actually founded because um, other organizations would not allow Black optometrists to join, which was a requirement to get your license to practice. So, and this was just celebrated 50 years, uh, a couple years ago. So they were literally founded out of just the civil rights period of time. And um, they still carry a lot of that work into what we're trying to do now. Um, and Black Eye Care Perspective is another um, organ uh, collective of, of Black optometrists that are, are again, in intentionally working on that and holding schools, holding the industry partners, holding people accountable so that, you know, as we saw this social justice movement over the last few years, and you hear all these companies throwing support and, 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 increasing their DEI activities and having all these webinars and workshops, um, it's about the accountability. So a lot of it requires funding, like where's the financial support? And then where's the, the time investment in the students that need to be here? Um, so they're working on, on some of those initiatives, just getting industry involved. Um, and then each of the schools is, is really working on it, just stepping up the effort. Um, so at UMSL, um, we just started or restarted a program called Eyes on Diversity. That's right. Where yeah. we uh, focus on um, specifically in St. Louis and the St. Louis metropolitan area. We partner with the Bridge Program, which most people in St. Louis, I think, are familiar with. But it's similar to like Upward Bound is something that they have in, in other states. But it is a program to assist high school students prepare for college. Um, they have a 100% admittance rate in the college, but they focus on students that may not have the, the necessary support um, otherwise. Um, First-time college students, underrepresented students, um, students from a different socioeconomic status. So they're really focused on a very specific group of students. So we partner with them 
to introduce students to optometry, to say, hey, here's what we do. Come visit us on campus. Let's show you an exam room. Let's perform a dissection on a cow eye so you can see what the inside of an eye looks like. That's like, incredible. Let's get hands on and, and yeah, and just get get the students excited about what optometry can do for them and and allow them to see optometrists that look like them. So uh, we do that program. And then there's other programs like that at, at different optometry schools across the country. So the numbers haven't changed much, but I think the accountability and the the pressure is different now. So accepting that the numbers just aren't going to change isn't isn't going to work any longer. I think there are a lot of people paying a lot of attention to uh, what we're doing to make sure that we increase the number of, of Black students in optometry and eventually into the profession. Right, right. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for what yeah. also is doing with Eyes on Diversity. Uh, I think yeah. that's incredible. And I think representation in all medical fields, but but mm-hmm. in this case, what, what we're talking about here today and, uh, and optometry is definitely important. And I mean, one of the reasons why I think when I think about it, why it's so important, because I think it when you see when I see more black people in healthcare professions, for example, I have a black dentist that I that I go to and he talks to me mm-hmm. about about different things. And he's a little more, I don't know, it feels a little more familiar and a little more personable uh, with, with yeah. me because we are, because we look like each other, you know, they, so mm-hmm. I'm a little more, uh, you know, I may be a little more comfortable. That's just kind of how, how things go. And I think if we have more black representation and optometry, you know, maybe more black people would be more comfortable going into, you know, seeing an optometrist or maybe their family member would be an optometrist and could, you know, say, hey, you should go see an eye doctor. Maybe they'll be more encouraged to do so. And I and I think about that because, you know, I was like, I was looking at some stats earlier today about from the National Eye Institute. And they were saying mm-hmm. that and it said that African-Americans are at, are at higher risk for certain eye diseases. African-Americans have some of the highest rate of vision loss and blindness caused by eye diseases, by eye disease. And then you mentioned earlier in the conversation that, you know, that um, eye health could also impact overall, uh, mm-hmm. your overall health. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Yes. So there, there is disparity in just, of course, within the healthcare system. You mentioned, uh, before I go into that, you mentioned, you know, having your dentist that you just can have a more familiar, more comfortable conversation with. Um, and I think that happens across the board in healthcare that, Having someone who's got somewhat of a shared experience, shared background, providing you care and, and listening, you, you just feel a little more open. You can, can be more comfortable in that space. So um, part of that increasing recruitment of, of representation of underrepresented students and, and providers impacts how patients are being cared for um, and how comfortable they feel with their provider. Because if not, then they may not be as willing to participate in their own care as they would with the doctor that they connect better with um, because of common background or or shared experience. Um, And so what they do find is that there are disparities in healthcare that happen because patients don't feel any kind of rapport or relationship with their provider and patients don't want to 
participate as much in their care with that specific provider. So uh, a doctor may say, oh, they're non-compliant. They don't, they don't, they didn't come back for their appointment. And it's like, no, they didn't feel any kind of connection with that specific provider, which can still happen with someone who looks like you as well. You know, I don't want to dismiss that, but because of those, that those layers of, of different things that patients will then have their healthcare impacted because of a disconnect with their healthcare provider. Um, and so increasing the diversity not only helps patients find doctors that they connect better with, but when you think about students, if they're in a class with more diverse colleagues, they can learn from their colleagues how to better take care of someone who may not look like them and how to engage differently, how to communicate with, with people in a different way that provides them the care that they need. Um, so all of that kind of layers into why we see some of the disparities in eye health conditions, um, why things are, uh, why African-American uh, individuals specifically have higher rates of things like glaucoma. There's some research that, that relates conditions like glaucoma with other vascular diseases. So vascular, wow. you know, blood flow issues, things like hypertension, uh, things like diabetes, these things tend to exist together, which unfortunately affects our community more as well. Um, so eye conditions go along right along with those disparities that we see. Um, and so when you go to get your eyes checked, they are looking at your vision, making sure you're seeing well, updating those glasses and contacts prescriptions. But then we'll also do what we call a dilation, which is basically eye drops. Most people do not like it, uh, but it's <laughs> <don't>. eye drops <laughs> that, that basically open up the pupils so that we can use certain lights and lenses to look into the back of the eye. And we're looking at the blood vessels. We're looking at nervous tissue that's in what we call the retina, which is the, the tissue wow. in the back of the eye. We're looking at those things because changes to those blood vessels in the eye can be related to things like high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, because if it's happening in the eye, it's likely happening elsewhere in the body. So you can see changes in the eye before you even have symptoms somewhere else. Um, so we can make recommendations that patients, you know, go get blood work or go see their primary care doctor to be able to, to get tested for diabetes or tested for blood pressure so that they can get that managed appropriately, um, which uh, is just important because if you're, you know, if you're getting those eye exams regularly with a doctor that you're comfortable and you trust, you're more likely to follow up with their recommendations, um, especially if it can impact your, your overall health. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing that uh, looking into someone's eyes can tell you so much about them. I, did, mm -hmm. I, I think the first time I realized that, because just like you, I went to an eye doctor when I was... 22 i think too uh mm -hmm. it, was, it was the first i had just got a college i got insurance on my own and i had yeah. the insurance to be able to go and see to go and get, to go see an eye doctor so I, I i knew i had the eye doctor insurance i had my dentist insurance i'm like okay great i'll, I'll that's what i'll do and uh i've been needed glasses since i was in high school but i remember going there and they like you mentioned dilated my eyes and said and mm -hmm. i was like they told me that it could see if i had certain kind of illnesses or diseases and things like that. And I thought that was pretty amazing. So thank you for, you know, walking us through that and, and telling us more about that. So I, I definitely appreciate you coming on today. Um, 
so I'm we're going to get ready to wrap up the episode and uh, get into these rapid fire questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share before we get into those? Uh, no, I, I just want to thank you for the space to have a conversation and and um, yeah, no, let's let's do some rapid fire stuff. <laughs> OK, so the, the first question I have for you, what is something you enjoy doing outside of work? I the first thing that comes to mind is just playing with my son. I, I'm a new parent <laughs> and yep, just watching him explore the world. Um, we're work we're getting into that two-year-old toddler phase, which I'm not sure how, you know, ask me in a month how I feel, but <laughs> uh, right now that is my my joy outside of work. Yeah, same here. Uh, quick, quick question: Would you, would you, will you be one of those parents? Since you're a doctor, will you be one of those parents that want that wants your son to be a doctor too, or uh, how would that work? How is that going to work? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think I want him <laughs> to do whatever he gets joy out of. Right. Um, I will be a parent to um to plan accordingly, just in case, <laughs> uh, just knowing better, you know, how to do it different. Um, as far as that them student loans but outside right. <laughs> of that i think that uh yeah i'll just let him explore and see what he comes up with okay i have a, a random question too just related to autometry i know you mentioned mm-hmm. that you've been to the eye doctor before and i'm assuming you wear glasses uh which one do you prefer do you prefer glasses or contacts or lace so funny enough <laughs> i do not wear glasses oh you don't wear glasses okay <laughs> i don't no i I'm one of the, I guess I wouldn't say few. I say there's probably a, a good number of, of eye doctors who don't wear glasses. Um, I've tried them. I've needed them for certain things like in school, studying a lot. I needed a special prescription to kind of help my eyes focus a little better. So, yeah. So for me, I would say glasses work well for what I need. I think it just <laughs> depends on the circumstances. If you don't like touching your eye, because that, that's the first thing we ask, you know, people like to wear contacts because they want to be independent of glasses. They don't want to have to put them on and off. Right. Uh, but then people don't like to touch their eyes. So it's <laughs> hard for you to wear contacts if you can't do that step. So, yeah, I think it just depends on the person. Right. OK. So uh, next question I have, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or sometimes another way I like to ask is, you know, what's a quote that you that you like? Oh, Let's see. Best advice I was ever given, I think, was it's okay to say no. Okay. I like that. And and yeah, I think it just, I don't know. It it just having that permission to to just be like, okay, I don't have to do all of these things to get, you know, to point B, or I don't have to say yes to everything because I'm trying to work towards something like I can be strategic and intentional about, you know, where I'm spending my time and, and energy. So I think being, being okay with the no is, is it for me. I love that. Uh, the, the next question I have is what is one thing you want to be remembered for? Or another way to ask it uh, is when people think of Brittany, Wright, What do you want them to think of? I think I want people to think that, you should be getting eye exams every year <laughs> from two until until that that's it. Just just the importance of of eye health 
and your vision and what it would mean if you were to lose it from something that's preventable. I don't know, not to create a scare tactic, but <laughs> I, I just want people to to know how important getting your eyes checked is and, and how much it can impact so much of your life that we don't realize until it's, you know, different or gone. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, quick, I think that would quick, be it. Quick aside to that, I think you yeah. just motivated me to go to the eye doctor because I haven't been in a couple <laughs> of years. Because <laughs> even though yes, I have, like, I, I, I typically go to the eye doctor, but I think of it as sometimes that I don't wear my glasses that often. I usually wear them mm-hmm. at night when I'm driving. And since I haven't been driving the last almost two years, yeah, right. I just, I just haven't been motivated to go because I'm like, I don't need a new, my, I need a new prescription because my glasses are not as strong as they used to be. They, they don't mm-hmm. work as well as they used to be. But that's just motivated me to, to schedule an appointment and just at least get an eye exam and, and get checked up, even if I don't want to get new glasses. So, well, good. My, yeah. my job is done. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. It. One person a day. That's, that's the Mission goal. Mission accomplished for sure. <laughs> so, the, the, the last question I have for you is what gets you out of bed in the morning? I would say uh, just the the novelty of the day, like what new is going to happen? What's something that's new, different, something that we can laugh about or cry about or whatever it is, but just what's, what's the newness that the day will bring? I think that's it. I like that. I like that. Thank you so much, Brittany Wright, for joining me today and, and coming on. If anybody wanted to reach out to you to, I don't know, maybe schedule an eye exam or or uh, just to contact you and ask you questions or connect with you any kind of way, is there a way that they can do that? Yes. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, just Brittany Wright. And then I do have um, an Instagram page that I need to be better with, um, but insight with with Dr. Wright. So it's insight, the first, so insight, the long I is E-Y-E with Dr. Wright. That's clever. Insight with Dr. Wright. Okay. All right. I'll make sure to include that on the, in the show notes so people can reach out to you and connect with you if they, if they would like. Uh, Once again, thank you so much. Um, And thank you to everyone for listening today. Thank you again, Brittany. I, I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, everyone, for checking out today's episode. Do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Also, share this podcast with a friend, family member, or a coworker. Until next time, y'all be safe. Peace.